Hi, thanks for joining us for another episode of Interrogatories with Josh Campson. I'm your host, Josh Campson. Today we have an interview with Jimmy Chong. Jimmy is an attorney. Uh, he practices in Pennsylvania and Delaware, does a lot of driving. Used to do personal injury and still does personal injury and now has expanded his practice. Uh, so we had a very interesting conversation. You know, we talked about uh, timely topics like the vaccine and what he's doing to help in the Asian com American community uh, get access to the vaccine, as well as his experience on the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee and his experience as a diverse attorney, uh, as well as his experience being a solo attorney and getting that started and what he did to make a little bit of money in order to be able to afford to start his own law firm, which I can definitely relate to. It was a great conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, again, don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and to give us five-star reviews. And again, if it's going to be less than five stars, you can keep it to yourself. Uh, we appreciate you listening. Thanks very much. Hope you enjoy the show. Jimmy, thanks for joining us. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. So tell me about your practice a little bit, mostly personal injury. Uh, yeah. So it actually was really 100% personal injury. And I have offices in Wilmington, Delaware, Lansdale, Pennsylvania, and a satellite office in Philadelphia as well. Uh, but what's interesting is that when the pandemic hit, personal injury really dropped. There weren't new cases coming in the doors. They typically were. So I somehow got involved in patent infringement cases. And prior to the pandemic, I had handled zero, you know, I was actually, what's interesting, a few months before the pandemic hit, I had a call from a random attorney in Texas saying, hey, I work for a Korean American attorney here in Texas. We saw that you're a Korean American attorney in Delaware, and we needed some local counsel for in federal court um, for patent infringement claims. And I was initially very hesitant on doing that. However, um, I'm glad I, I, you know, I said yes. And now I went from handling absolutely no patent infringement cases to I, my firm filed 200 over 225 cases in. 2020, and um, I think we're top five in filing patent infringement cases. Uh, at least Law.com sent me an email uh, stating that they wanted to do contact me and ask me some questions and about the firm. So I do now patent infringement. That's a long, long answer. I apologize. <laughs> so wait a minute. So 10 years or so, 11 years into your uh, firm, you decided, oh, you know, patents, that's something I can figure out. <laughs> yeah, I guess that that's that's uh, kind of how it worked out. I'm still figuring it out. I'm working with a bunch of other attorneys. We have, um, you know, weekly or sometimes two, three times a week, we'll discuss cases, discuss the law, always reading up on on cases. But uh, yeah, that's pretty much you know how it worked. We all had to pivot a little bit uh, due to COVID, and that's uh, part of the the way the transition, the pivot that my firm had done. And how did you end up practicing in both Delaware and PA? Are you are you from Delaware? Yep, born and raised in Delaware. Um, my I, I always wanted to be in Delaware, but as the story always goes, you know, man meets woman and woman lives in Pennsylvania. So that's how uh, I got established here in PA. 
Uh, so you're, is your wife from PA originally? Uh, yep, yep, she is. Uh, she's from media and, or she, she was actually born in, in Korea and immigrated here when she was four years old. She was raised in media, but lived in Philly. And, uh, that's, that's kind of where we ended up in Philly for several years. Um, and then we moved out to Montgomery County, uh, her sister and her brother both have families out there. So it's great. We have nine cousins on the same school district so um you know you can't beat that having family around yeah although the teachers are probably a little sick of it are they all troublemakers all these cousins do they get in are they like a little gang in the school <laughs> actually the cousins are all very good it's my kids that are the problem i think <laughs> oh there you go there you go and they're still young right you got little ones yeah, yeah, just uh, nine years old, eight years old, and, and four years old. So the youngest is still in daycare right now. Uh, but they're good kids in all, in all seriousness. They get no trouble. They're, I'm very proud of them and uh, very, very shocked that my kids are this well-behaved. Yeah, well, it's okay. You can talk honestly. They're not going to hear it. They probably don't <laughs> subscribe, although you should tell them to. Well, <laughs> well you know, they're, they're actually at home virtual schooling right now. There's, uh, unfortunately, a... Uh, outbreak at our school of COVID-19. So we had an emergency two week um, stay virtual school, virtual learning. So they, they can hear me there throughout the house somewhere. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. We just got out of our own quarantine for my son's daycare. It's like our fourth one. So I know how that goes. Throws off the whole system. <laughs> yep. Scheduling is completely off. And you have two very, very young ones. So I'm sure it's tough for you guys. Yeah, as I said, uh, this podcast essentially runs on Duncan. They're not a sponsor, but they are uh, the only ones keeping me uh, awake and alive. So I want to talk a little bit about your career uh, because you used to be a personal trainer. And I want to know uh, what that was about, how you got into personal training. Whereas this was before the days where anyone was like an internet guru personal trainer. So I'm assuming you were an actual in the gym, you know, making people do their crunches, personal trainer. And I want to hear how that developed. And, and are you still super jacked? <laughs> well, I'll answer. Am I still super jacked? No, that, that was many, many lifetimes ago. And um, I haven't been to the gym in many, many years. Uh, truthfully, that the it all started because I started my own law firm with zero clients in our living room with a printer and a laptop. So we were living off of my wife's salary and I needed to bring some income. So I worked at a gym in the morning, a gym at, in the evening, and I worked on weekends at um, homes of my clients. And the first year at, with my law firm, I actually made more money as a personal trainer than I did as a lawyer. So that, that's kind of how it developed. It was a great time, but uh, it didn't last too long. So what are you doing for any home gym now? You know, during the pandemic, you got your Peloton or what are you doing there? <laughs> I, 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 I or are you just letting yourself go? I let myself go. I literally, I gained. Yeah, I know that feeling. <laughs> it's terrible. I definitely gained the, uh, I think they were calling it the, the COVID-19 pounds. So I gained the 19 yeah. pounds easily. Yeah, I gained so much weight. I was eligible for the vaccine. So <laughs> not, well, and, you know, good and not good at the same time. So what made you want to start your own firm? I mean, because I've done that. I have my own firm as well. And my reason was nobody would hire me. So I figured I just had to start my own 
uh, firm with one of my good friends, but I'm assuming you actually, you know, had a better reason than that. I don't, not really tell you the truth. I just, um, my, uh, you know, my, my parents own their own business. Um, I've always kind of wanted to own my own business. And when I first became a lawyer, I actually, so I actually never even wanted, not that I didn't want to be a lawyer. I never, being a lawyer never entered my mind. Um, you know, I, I didn't know any lawyers, no one in my family were lawyers, let alone, you know, went to college. Right. So being a lawyer never entered my mind, but, um, at one point in my life, I had no job and my friend's friend's mom was a manager at a law firm, a managing attorney at a law firm. And they needed to hire, they needed to hire someone just to shred paper, do runs, um, basically, uh, you know, it's back in the days before there was online filing. So I'd run, you know, paper to the courthouse and back. And I was, I was, I did that and I was trying to figure out where I wanted to go with my career. And my dad was like, you know, the LSATs are coming up. Why don't you try that? And so it kind of happened on a whim. Um, so I stayed with this firm from, you know, back being their errand boy. And I went through, I was a, then became a clerk, paralegal, and then became an attorney for the firm. And they only handled asbestos litigation. And I, I'm sure you know with asbestos litigation that when I got into it, it was a dying practice itself. Um, I, I think there's still cases going on, which I'm, I'm very surprised that, but um, I thought, you know, listen, asbestos is going to be around longer, much longer. So why not just start your own gig? Um, I've always wanted to do it. So that's kind of how it developed. Um, you know, it was tough. I had, like I said, I had a laptop and a printer and no clients, uh, but it was fun. It was fun to build app. Some, no, build something from absolutely nothing. And you're still uh, a solo. You're the only lawyer at your office, or do you have people with you? I have an attorney down in my Delaware office, um, but I still feel like a, a, a solo, uh, especially with the pandemic, right? So you don't – I haven't actually seen her in, in a year. Um, we talk weekly, uh, obviously, on, on, on cases, but uh, we try to keep – any contact to a minimum so i um i haven't seen her in a while i have so it's my me i have her and i have um i think four support staff so and one more starting in, in the beginning of april so you're onboarding someone during the pandemic yes yep yeah how's that gonna go did you interview them remotely and then you're gonna mail them a laptop or something <laughs> uh that we we did the remote interview and then we did in person and actually we have our offices are open now for employees just no clients are allowed in um i again we keep the contact limited so um you know some employees are in every day but some employees are in you know, once a week or whatever the comfort mm -hmm. level is. And I drive between the two offices, so I don't see everyone often um, or daily. So we just keep our distance and we try to be smart about it. We all wear masks and, uh, and you know, we do what we, ha we have to do to stay safe. Yeah, well, in touch wood, only hopefully a few months and then everyone will be vaxxed up and uh, we can all go hang out at the Bar Association office, right? Yeah, I can't wait for that. And actually, I don't know when the podcast is going out, but 
for I'm working with the Asian American Coalition uh, in Montgomery County, and we have vaccinations going on for people in groups. I think it's 1A. Um, if you're 75 or older or, or you fall under one of those, um, uh, I guess, illnesses, if you're if you're a smoker, if you're obese, you have uh, certain illnesses, then you, you qualify. So if anyone out there, we're having uh, vaccinations this Saturday. We had it two Saturdays ago, and I think we're going to have it every Saturday as long as, as we can, you know, meet the needs of, of people. We'll move to 1B very shortly as well. And that's to the Asian American Association? Uh, no, it's, there's an Asian American Coalition. And okay. um, it's through – so the vaccinations are taking place in Lansdale at the Philip Jason uh, Memorial – I guess Foundation Philip Jason Foundation. Um, it's right next to Abington – Lansdale, Abington Hospital. And the CEO – of uh, the Philip Jason Center really brought in uh, organizations like uh, uh, someone in the Chinese community, in the Bengali community, the Indian community, the Filipino community, Vietnamese community, and all the leaders come together. We've been meeting weekly via Zoom and uh, really organizing to meet the needs of Asian Americans, uh, that need the vaccination. So in Montgomery County, Asian Americans make up of about 7.7% of the, of the population. However, uh, there's only like 0.6% that actually have been vaccinated because it's tough for non-English speakers or individuals that have very basic English skills to navigate uh, this process. So there was that need that um, George Chad was able, that saw, he saw, and was able to bring our communities together, really make, organize uh, this group to have the vaccinations take place. Now, this coalition started, uh, you know, a while back. It just was was up and going. Then the um, COVID nineteen hit, so um, we couldn't really get things moving like we wanted to. But we are really progressing now and actually getting getting people vaccinated, which is the most important thing. And it's not just Asian Americans, right? So um, we are having uh, others that need it within the community community as well. Um, I'm also uh, involved with a found um, a non, another nonprofit called Posse Pen Asian Senior Services, and they're in Philadelphia, and they're in the East Oak Lane area. And they've opened their doors as well to vaccinate the community in East Oak Lane. So uh, it, it's this virus is absolutely terrible. But the leadership of people like George Che uh, of Philip Jason or MJ Che of Posse, I, I'm seeing it's amazing that they're bringing the resources, working together, and getting everyone that they can vaccinated. Oh, it's great to see, and it's great to hear that you're involved. Um, and it sounds like you're very involved in the Asian American community and various like philanthropic organizations throughout the region, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I like to. I try to stay involved. It's really these. Um, it, it's easy when you have leaders in the community that are really doing such good things. So, um, me being involved is um, it, it's very it, it's easy and. Uh, 
there's other the bar association as well with the um, diversity equity inclusion committee you know we are really doing great things there too uh, I co-chair that with Lauren Hughes and uh, Jessica Torres and we have our advisor Nancy Walsh who you know really um, she's the glue that keeps us together and really the heartbeat of us getting things accomplished so yeah let's you know i just want to talk to you a little bit you know we're recording this uh at the end of march we've seen some horrific hate crimes against the asian american community and we've seen a rise during the trump administration of hate crime against many communities but especially the asian american community and i'm curious you know what the reaction in the local community has been or what these leaders that you are working with on a daily basis yeah that's uh Thank you for for asking, and that's a lot of um, a lot of discussion, especially recently, uh, with what was been what has been on the on the news. I know that um, again with the Asian American Coalition, we had a very long meeting last night, and uh, we um, are planning uh, a roundtable uh, in a couple of weeks uh, to address this matter. Um, what's there's a lot of fear out there. Um, I, I, I'm thankful that in our area, Montgomery County, we haven't seen what we've seen in, in New York City or in California or uh, other parts of the country in that we haven't seen actual violence um, that has been reported. So that is the big issue. A lot of times these crimes aren't reported. Um, but there's also a sense um, through some portion of the community is that this isn't new. Uh, this has always been there. Um, it's just now it's being reported on. Um, I was born and raised here in America, and what I see on the news is not something that's new to me or to my family. Um, you know, the the comments of, you know, I, I was born and raised here, and the comments of go back to your own country. Um, you know, I got that almost daily uh, in my life. Um, so, you know, it's it, it's not new. Uh, we're trying to figure out ways to uh, ease the ease some of the concerns uh, of the community and to address it before anything does happen here in Montgomery County. Uh, I'm not quite sure what the answer is. No one is. We're, we're talking about it and we're trying to, to, to figure it out. So, um, what are the, what are the, some of the ways that you're thinking to help ease some of those concerns for people, or is it just, we'll figure, you know, we're hoping to figure that out, but we don't know what we're going to tell people or how we're going to, you know, calm the fears right now. Uh, right now we just want to have a, um, we want to open it up for the community to talk about it, to hear what's going on, to see to see what's going on. We've uh, we've approached uh, the attorney general Josh Shapiro um, to discuss discuss it with us. There's other members of the community that have contacted different police chiefs, um, and it's really we're uh, we're just we want to open up communication. So uh, another friend of mine had started a, is in the midst of starting a nonprofit for a call center to report the crimes and to have individuals that can speak, uh, you know, different languages. So we can um, people who have 
had a hate crime committed against them, they can call in their native language and explain what, what has happened. So uh, communication is really the key, and that's what we want, we're trying to establish, communication and trust within the, you know, the community. So that's our first step, and then from there, we'll see where that develops. Have you, you know, in your legal practice, since you practice in different states, different counties, uh, have you seen that impact of, you know, DEI efforts here in Montgomery County? Does that kind of trickle through to the practice of law being different here than it is in other places where you go? Um, that, that's a good question. I think, I think Montgomery County and the Montgomery Bar Association is taking such large strides. I think it's moving forward in the other counties I practice in and in other states. It's just, it's such a large, taking such large strides here that I don't think the other um, other places I've been involved with are moving as quickly. But I could be wrong because I really put all my efforts here, um, not in other counties or, or other states. I've been really putting my efforts within Montgomery, Montgomery Bar Association. So it's hard to see everything. You know, it's amazing just the Bar Association and the feeling, at least I get as a minority. And I know the feelings I've had when I've been in other locations and I did not feel the same support as I have, as I do here in Montgomery County. It's, it's really good. And I, guess, and I guess that's my question. You do, um, you do feel that the, not just the bar, but maybe the bench here is more, is making strides or is attempting to be uh, more inclusive. And that does trickle down to you on a day-to-day practice level. Uh, yeah, that's a great way of, of of uh putting it yeah it's a great way of putting it i agree you know i just know as someone as a uh you know bald jew from the philly area and i travel all over the state so i am familiar with uh you know some of those issues when i go to these more rural counties who uh you know somebody once told me that's not a name you hear around this county very often and I said, I don't even know what that means. That doesn't even, that doesn't even make sense. But there's only like seven last names in that county. So that's what that's what that meant, uh, as it turned out. But that's yeah. a whole different situation. But that's good. And I'm glad to hear uh, that that's working. And are you involved in so, anything on the national level with DEI? Anything I, in the American Bar Association or anything like that? I am not. I am somewhat involved with uh, with NAPABA, the National Asian American Bar Association. Um, but not very involved. I, I'm very, I'm more locally. Um, but yeah, it, but actually, I just want to ask your experience because I know that your experience in being Jewish American is, is, is you've had your challenges as well. So um, have you seen a lot that has changed in the past uh, two, three years? You know, it's different. Well, first of all, you want to ask the questions, you can start a podcast. Uh, but <laughs> no, that's it's a good it's a good point. I mean, the answer is. I think it's different. Uh, you know, my last name is Campson. It's not Cohen. Um, so I am someone that uh, is, it's a different situation for me. You know what I mean? I'm not wearing my identity as a Jew on my sleeve, although I do at, at the same time um, because I'm very vocal about it. So when I go to some of these counties, yes. I mean, when I have practiced in, I used to practice in Western PA. And there's definitely a difference in, you know, rural, um, smaller counties. But some of that's also geographic diversity. And some of that is like literally me going to a county, you know, Jefferson County, and they see that I have a Montgomery County address. And some of that hesitancy or some of that, um, for lack of a better term, nativism 
is I think more directed to the big Philly lawyer, uh, which is what they think of me as. Not necessarily, and I don't think that's necessarily dog whistle for, you know, quote unquote, the New York lawyer or something along those lines. Um, now, that being said, you know, dealing with clients, uh, sometimes it becomes an issue. You know, I've had clients say things or do things that I thought were a little uncool or a little, you know, inappropriate or make remarks. Um, but that's the world we live in, you know, especially in the the areas that I deal in, in child welfare law and um, criminal law, you know, there are people that have different views and I defend people that have different views. So that's a very long answer of saying, yes, it's it's been an issue. I, I haven't seen a huge change, um, but I think a lot of that is because I am not Hasidic. You know, I'm not walking down the street, you know, nobody would know that I happen to be Jewish unless they listen to the podcast or follow me on TikTok or whatever. Uh, so unless they knew that, they wouldn't know. And, and that's an interesting part of things. But I also have felt in the community where I am in Montgomery County, which is in the Harleysville area, which is a Mennonite community, uh, primarily Mennonite community, uh, very open and welcome. You know, my son's daycare and our friends, you know, one of our good friends is a pastor. Uh, we've had them over for Passover Seder, you know, pre-COVID and all that stuff. So I have felt very welcomed here, which is nice because, you know, that didn't used to be the case uh, in general, right? You know, people mixing, um, sharing religions, et cetera. I think, I think that is a good thing and a step in the right direction of people sharing their own experiences. So, which is all a long way to say my son goes to a Mennonite daycare and, um, you know, my grandparent, my, my parents, uh, his Bubby and Pop-Up and Zadie aren't in love with that idea, but so it goes, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but don't you think the key, like you said, it's about communication, right? It's about learning other people's stories. It's about letting people in your homes and talking. I think that really is the key. And I, and when I go, when I, I wouldn't say I speak in events, but if I do want to put my two cents in, I would say, listen, it really starts basic. Say hi to the person. That's a little different than you shake their hand, get to know them. These basic little skills that you learn when you're in kindergarten really does, I think, make a difference. So when there's someone that's different, looks different, has a different religion, speaks differently, really just go out and, and talk to them, shake their hand. You're going to find something that you have in common. You're going to see that that's a human being. And everyone really, when it comes down to it, we're all, we have the same qualities and um, you know, there's people in every race, religion that are go-getters. Then there's ones that aren't so much the go-getters. Um, there's ones, you know, so it, you can always find, you know, the, you know, the Korean Josh or the Irish Josh, or, you know, there's always going to be someone that is just like you, just that looks a little different or looks different, speaks different. Um, you're going to have, we, we are all human beings. Yeah, that's well put. Uh, and, and before we get to some later topics, I'm curious what you think as a solo attorney. You know, you see at these big firms, uh, big uh, DEI movements, or at least giving voice to those movements, sometimes better than others, depending on the firm. But, you know, and I'm at a small firm, uh, but I used to be a solo. What can solos do? You know, it's not like we're really hiring people necessarily. I mean, you have a few staff, but true solos or people at small firms, you know, beyond hiring um, diverse people, how do we help with that DEI and help move, uh, you know, those 
things forward, help towards making the legal profession more diverse and more inclusive and more equitable? So that's really just getting involved in the community and really speaking about um, the importance of diversity. Uh, if you do hire, try to hire someone um, that is a, obviously qualified, but is, uh, is diverse in one way or another. Um, you know, it's easy to, to really to, to get involved. I mean, it's, I guess, easy to say it. It's sometimes hard to get involved with the time constraints, especially as an attorney. So you can um, just do small things. Maybe if you have children, really um, go to, to events. And if you see someone that's uh, diverse, talk to them. Um, if you don't have the time and you see a good cause, donate 10, 15, 20, no, 50, $100 to, to it. Um, the DEI, we have um, 1L summer interns and we have scholarship opportunities. Donate to that or have an intern at your firm and um, you know they can help you do legal research. Uh, they can help you, you know, bring them to court. You can introduce them to uh, judges, to other attorneys, to the way you run your practice. There's a lot of little things that you can do that really go a long way. And actually, we also have a, um, we have high school students that, uh, for any attorneys out there that have unpaid internships for the summer, they will come in and they want to just get an office experience. So they, they'll come in, they'll shred your paper, you know, shred paper, scan, convert old files into online files. They can help you with some of your online marketing, maybe give you a, a Facebook presence or a, a TikTok presence. Some TikToks for yeah. you, right? Um, exactly. So, uh, you know, if you're looking for some unpaid interns, which can help you get some of the mundane work out of the way, shoot me an email and I can get that set up. Um, you know, there's a lot of different opportunities just to allow some of these, some students from background that have backgrounds that don't give them access to professionals. Listen, when I grew up, I didn't know, I didn't know professionals. I, I, you know, I didn't have any uncles or aunts that went to college. You know, I didn't know what it was like to be in an office atmosphere. I knew what it was like to work in a dry cleaners. You know, that's what I knew. Um, so I think if at that age, it would have made a huge difference to actually go into an office building and to actually see it and just to see how it operates. So for any of the small, you know, souls out there, that's, that's, I think a big way to contribute, to help, um, help the, help push the ball a little further. Yeah, I, I agree. Let's take a total gear shift here to some lighter questions. The first is the most important. Uh, I essentially started this podcast to get people's opinions on the Oxford comma. Are you familiar with the Oxford comma? I am not. I'm going to Google that right now. You don't have to Google it. That's what I'm here for. It's the uh, <laughs> comma. And frankly, at some point, my producers are going to tell me, stop asking this question. Nobody cares. But it is the third comma. So if Jimmy, comma, Josh, comma, and Susan go to a bar... Uh, some people believe that there should not be a comma before the end, and that's called the Oxford comma. And I'm curious what your uh, position is on it. That is the funniest thing. I. <laughs> All right. The reason why I think that's so funny is when I left, when I got out of college, 
I, um, I worked for a bank for a year, AIG. I worked in their office and I just, I, I, I didn't like it. So I had never been to Korea in my life. So I said, look, I'll go to Korea and I'll teach English. I get out there and that was a question that was asked of me. Does that comma go there? And my personal opinion is, no, I don't think that comma belongs there. And cool. Is that right or wrong? I don't know. It depends on if you go to Oxford or not. If you're more of a Cambridge man, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, I, I think it does. And I can send you some uh, uh, memes explaining the difference between a peanut butter and jelly sandwich uh, with something else <laughs> on it. I don't know. We'll, we'll put it in the show notes too, but that's okay. That's okay. Uh, yeah. You know, really most, it's interesting. So far, I think we're at 60% uh, not in favor, 40% in favor but when this, depending on when this comes out, other people might not have heard the answers from some of our other guests that we've already recorded. So they'll just have to stay tuned. What is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Do the right thing, which is very vague, but um, my dad always said, you know, just got to do the right thing. Yeah, it's good. Good advice. Tough to execute sometimes, you know? Mm -hmm. What is something that people are obsessed with, but you just don't get the point of? TikTok. All right, fair enough. Feels like a little <laughs> low blow. Uh, feels like a low blow, but you know, if people don't like my Hamilton sing-alongs, then they can uh, find their own content. You know. <laughs> Do you have any superstitions? Um. Wow. I used to. I used to have ton, but now I have absolutely none. I've grown out of them. What about when it comes to court? Do you, you know, uh, wear the same socks for all your jury trials? Do you throw up before your closing argument? Any of those rituals? I have absolutely no rituals whatsoever. Uh, when I played sports, I would wear the same socks. I would um, have a certain uh, undershirt under my jersey. Uh, but once I got to this legal world, um, they all went out the door. You threw it all out the window. Yeah. Pretty boring, pretty boring over here. I just want to get get the work done and get, come home and see my uh, wife and kids. There you go. Let's say, hey, that's a good way to live. Well, Jimmy, I'll leave it there. I appreciate you joining us. This has been terrific. If people are looking for you, where can they find you online? Uh, www.chonglawfirm.com. C-H-O-N-G lawfirm.com. All right, great. And we'll put that in the show notes. And uh, thanks for joining us. All right, Josh, I appreciate it. listening to Interrogatories with Josh Campson. This podcast is a production of the Montgomery Bar Association in Norristown, Pennsylvania. Views expressed during the podcast are those of the participants and not their employers or the Montgomery Bar Association. No content in this podcast should be construed as legal advice. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to Interrogatories, which is available wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave us that five-star rating and review. For more information, visit us at www.montgomerybar.org.